0: We're in a series called Entrusted, where we've been kind of having a conversation over the last few weeks around work and money. And I've said this every week. I'm gonna continue to say it every week because anytime the pastor talks about money, everybody gets nervous. Uh, I'm not talking about money because we have some big debt that we have to pay off. I'm not talking about money because we're not doing well with the budget. I'm not talking about money because I'm gonna have a big ask at the end and I'm gonna have everybody uh, hand something in. I'm talking about work. In money because it matters to all of us, and because there's a huge portion of the New Testament that talks about money. Jesus talked about money almost more than anything else that he talked about. And so if Jesus talked about it, we need to talk about it, and we want to talk about these things in a way that's not coercive or manipulative or not, like, trying to get you to give more or trying to squeeze more out of the church. So listen to me. I am not getting a new boat, Right? (laughs) Like, I'm not looking to upgrade my house right now. This is not about we got to get Ben's salary up. Like, none of, I have, there is no benefit for me in this series other than the Holy Spirit living and working and moving in this place and living and working and moving in you, all right? Uh, So we're talking about this because most of us go to work. Right, we spend the majority of our week at work, our nine to fives, we, we leave home and we go to a certain place and we, we spend time there. I got a call um, this week from a friend and the friend said, I, I've been doing this job for 32 years and I just lost my job. And for 32 years, I've worked for the same company, I've worked for the same place, I never dreamed that this would happen at my age. And he asked me, what do I do? And, and we started talking and, and, and we kind of zeroed in to the idea, to, to this idea, and this is where I want to land today. We have to know the difference between our resources and our source, right? So our job is a resource. It's a resource that gives us Uh, money for what we do. There's an exchange there, and and it resources our family so that we can go on vacation, so that we can buy groceries, so that we can do all of the different things that we do. Our challenge oftentimes is that we exchange our resources for the source, and we start to believe that our resources actually are the source, and so as we began to pray with my friend, we started praying around the idea of like, Lord, you are the source, Right? This job was something that I did for 32 years. It was something that was fun, it was something that provided for me. It was a resource, but you are the source. And so we're going to petition the source for a new resource. Does that make sense? What we often do is we get this twisted and we start to believe that the resource is the source. And so we worship the resource. We lean into the resource. We Fear and and have anxiety and worries around the resource. And, And then oftentimes we even begin to worship the resource rather than the source. Scripture talks about how we worship the created things over the creator that we've dug our own cisterns, we've tried to create our own systems of receiving water and, and provision and protection apart from God, who is the living water, who gives us everything that we need and provides our daily bread over and over and over again. And so at the end of this conversation, my friend said this, and I loved it. He said, the resource has been cut off, but the source is fine. The resource has been disconnected. And so today I want to talk about there being a difference between the resource and the source. And so I'm going to have my lovely assistant Benton. Uh, Benton's our new fellow, getting ready to plant a church, and today he's going to help out by carrying things up to me. <laughs> this is good practice,. Good practice. <laughs> Benton's preaching next week, guys. It's going to be amazing. All right, this is a resource. No matter how many times I turn the knob right here, this is not providing anything for me, right? It doesn't matter if I unscrew this bulb, screw it back in, it doesn't matter if I go buy a bunch of new bulbs and plug them back in, it does not matter what I do to this. I could take the bottom apart, I know nothing about electricity, that would probably just make a mess, right? Like There's lots of things that I could do. Here's the reality, if this isn't plugged in here, it's not gonna provide anything. This is a resource. This is the source, does that make sense? Here's what we often do, let's, let's, let's make a mess, Benton. This is what we often do. Oftentimes, it's back on. Oftentimes, we, we, like, we have one resource And that resource is providing, and then for some reason, that resource gets shut down. Or resource is providing, and then for some reason, that resource gets shut down. Or something slows, or something stops. And so, we just say, okay, well, let me just get another resource. And we start plugging in another resource and turning on another resource, and then we start finding another one because this one's run dry, or this one's providing, or this one's happening, and so we plug in another one. I don't even know where, that's a big one. And, and so, so what we have is we have all of these different resources, right? For some of us, this is literal income streams. Right, this is like what our life works looks like. Like, we don't have just one job. We got all these jobs that we're juggling, all these income streams. We've got all these resources that are providing for us, all of these things that are paying the bills, all of these things that are taking care of the things that we need in our everyday life. But what often happens is the resources start to run dry. The resources start to disconnect. Something is wonky in the resource. We lose our job after 32 years, And all of a sudden there's this complete moment of panic and fear and anxiety and worry. And it does not matter how many light, like we could have piled the whole stage up here with with lights. If there is not a source to charge them, there is no light that's gonna come from them. All right. I know this is cheesy, and I know we all understand this, but I want us to understand this as a spiritual picture. Our jobs are our resources our income streams Are our resources our home is a resource our relationships oftentimes are resources all of these things can come and go there are moments when resources change the source doesn't change Romans eleven thirty six says this it says everything comes from God everything exists by his power he is the source and everything is intended for his glory. Everything, right? It's very clear. Not just like a few things. Everything that comes our way. We talked about this last week. God is the owner, we are the managers, right? So if he is the owner, he is the source of all good things and our God is not a a, a source that is lacking, right? Our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Our God has every resource available. He speaks the world into existence. He breathes and things happen. He is not lacking for anything. He has all the power and authority that heaven can give him. And he gives us resources, but we depend on him as a source. So a source is the, uh, is the supplier of something we cannot produce on our own. For example, in your house... If you want to be warm during the winter, you have to have a source of energy that has to be turned on, that has to be plugged in, that has to function correctly. Your gas line coming into your house is a source. The heat is the resource, right? There's all of these pictures of we we have these financial sources, we have food sources, we have relational sources, all of our lives, if we started just kind of naming what are the resources that we have, there's going to be all kinds of different resources That will name. And here's what I want us to understand: the source of our resources never change, but the resource for provision can change often. I'm gonna say it again. The source for our resources never changes. But the resources for our provision can change often. And when problems come, either two things happen in the lives of most humans. One is we confuse the two, right? So we go into panic mode. Because when the resource is taken away, we believe the source has been taken away. And so we go into a woe is me, we go into a panic mode, we go into anxiety mode, we go into fear mode, we go into building mode, all of those things begin to happen. Or secondly, when most people uh, run low on resources, they think that they are their source. Right? This is kind of the American way. Like We just build something else. We create something else. We work harder. We strive. We 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 go. We like it's the it's the entrepreneur stuff. Like I I I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, and, and and I hate the way we talk to entrepreneurs. Like so many of these idiot experts are telling people, like the way that you become a great entrepreneur is you wake up at four a.m. and you make your bed. Right? It's like the early. Like, they always say make your bed. Like, I have made my bed for a long time. It's never made me any money. (laughs) Maybe when I was getting allowance when I was really little. Like, maybe that was a resource at that time but it's always like you just got to strive harder. you got to wake up earlier you got to work longer you got to put in your if you were working 60 hours you got to put in 70 hours if you were working 70 hours you got to work 80 hours if you were working 90 hours you got to work 100 hours if you were waking up at 6 a.m. now you got to wake up at 5 a.m. and and listen there is some truth that by working harder you can achieve more but at some point this logic falls apart because there's only so much I can do Like, literally, I am a resource that can be emptied. You are a resource that can be emptied. Have you ever been in meetings all day? I hate long meetings. Like, Douglas is like, he tells me all the time, you're not allowed to be in this meeting. Because he knows that I'm just going to throw a grenade in the middle of the meeting or I'm going to leave. Like, there's just, I I cannot handle, like, if we're doing like a three-hour meeting, you do not want me in that meeting because it drains, it just sucks the life out of me. And so I'm sitting there, and it, like literally, like I'm I'm dimming, right? <laughs> like the 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 sources, the, source the resources, getting lighter and lighter and lighter. We are a resource. If we don't rest, if we don't sleep, if we don't care for ourselves and care for our bodies and take care of ourselves, then we're going to be the ones that run out. And we live in a world that is frantic with the pace that we run in. In our mission statement, we call Marietta being a place that is fast asleep. Everybody's moving fast. Everybody's running into the city and out of the city. Everybody's trying to figure out how to park. Everybody's getting their peach pass on, right? On Saturdays, we're now closing the entire highway, which is super fun, right? like We're, we're, we're just frantically running from place to place over and over and over again, but we're asleep as we do it. Because we've drained all the resources that we have in this process. Uh, and, and, and so what we want to do is we want to kind of regain that belief. Philippians 4:19 says this, It says, "God, the source, will provide. He will supply every need of yours according to your riches in the glory of Christ Jesus." So we put our trust in the source. Trusting that he's going to supply our needs. Our job is not the source, it's a resource. And our job shouldn't be our security, it's a channel. It's a place that gives me something. And when the light comes on and the light comes off, we trust that there's still power. We trust that there's still opportunity. We trust that there's more things coming. So our job cannot be our security. And if one source stops working, we trust that the Father's going to open up another source. Bank accounts rise and fall, guys. The economy rises and falls. The stock market rises and falls. It can go bull or it can go bear. Like all of these things are all going to happen in our lifetimes. There are going to be ebbs and flows in our resources. And sometimes it's like, ooh, this resource right here is killing it. Right, everything is wonderful. Everything's going great. And, and, and everything is lit up, man. Like, look at this. Like, my life is bright right now with resources. And then there's times where it feels really dim. And it feels really dark. And it feels like, I don't know where that resource is going to come from. I don't know what's next. And so the question for us is, can we rest in him as our protector and as our provider? Can we trust that he is the source, who gives us the resource, or are we going to carry all the weight of that ourselves? I'm going to say something that's going to be hard for us. We are really bad protectors and providers for ourselves. We believe that we're really good at it. We're not. And so we have to trust that there is a source that brings resources. We have to trust that I don't have to carry this whole weight by myself. So, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to 1 Kings chapter 17. We're gonna look at the story of Elijah today. Elijah is probably my favorite prophet. Uh, I love preaching on Elijah, there's just so much good stuff in his life, and so Elijah is told, here's what he's told, you are going to go and you're going to prophesy. He's a prophet, and so prophets are the people who tell people what God is saying, and so his job is to tell the people of God what God is saying, and sometimes, most of the time, in the Old Testament especially, the prophets have to do really hard things. So They have to share really hard news with the people that they're walking with, and people don't like to hear bad news, surprisingly right? People don't like to hear bad things and hard things. They don't like to hear like tough times are coming. And so a lot of times the prophets experience really, really difficult lives. And so Elijah is told by God, I want you to start to prophesy and I want you to tell the people in your land. Like a lot of times prophets are sent to other places, which is a lot more fun, right? I'm going to go deliver a message to these people, not to my people, Elijah is told in his land, he's going to go deliver a message. And the message is this. It's not going to rain for years. There's going to be a drought. The resources are going to go dim. Right? This is what's going to happen. This is a common theme in the Old Testament, right? Think back to Joseph. Right? In the story of Joseph, there's going to be a famine in the land. In Elijah, there's not going to be rain. There is going to be. You think about Scripture and you think about way back in time, this is all an agrarian culture. So everything is based on agriculture. And everything is based on the harvest. And everything is based on what do we produce this year? And did we produce a good harvest? And if there's flooding, everything falls apart. Or if there's a drought, everything falls apart. And so there's this understanding in the Old Testament that maybe we don't have today that God is actually the one who is in charge of so many of those things. God declares the weather. God controls whether it rains or not. God controls whether the crops rise or fall. We can do the best that we can to farm. I don't know anything about farming, but we can sow the seeds. We can put the fertilizer down. We can do some things with tools, right? There's all (laughs) kinds of things that we can do. But ultimately, I can't make anything grow. And so this is what's happening. Elijah's told to prophesy, and, and, and as he starts to prophesy, this starts to come true, and people don't like him. Like, uh, people n- rarely like the messenger, especially when the messenger is bringing bad news. And so God says this to Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 3. He says, Depart from here. Turn eastward and hide yourself in the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan, and you will drink from this brook. Well, remember, there's a drought. All right? so... How long is this brook gonna last is the question. But there is a brook there that I want you to drink from and listen to what God says. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Which if I'm Elijah, I'm like, God, I'm not excited about this assignment. Right, because I don't think the ravens are bringing like prime rib. I think the ravens are bringing like a, a, a an adult happy meal. Like, I think that's what's coming from the ravens. Like, I think they're just bringing, like, here's, it is not the food that we wanted. It's not the, the, the huge resource where it's just like, oh, this is amazing, all the lights are on, everything is happening. This is like, I'm going to provide for you your daily bread today. It's the same thing that God did to his people when they were in the wilderness. He gave them enough for today, not enough for tomorrow, not enough for the future. I'm gonna give you enough For today, and here's here's a principle that I want us to understand. God always gives us what we need, but he doesn't always give us what we want. I think there is always some sort of resource that is turned on in our lives. Even when we're at our thinnest, I can look back to like the really hard times in Sarah and I's life, and there was always some sort of resource that was provided. There's something, and it may not be what we wanted in that moment. I wanted the prime rib, and I got the raven meal, right? I wanted the steak, and I got, I don't even know what the ravens are bringing Elijah here, but I'm guessing it's not delicious. Um, So he's hanging out at the brook. He's getting food from the ravens, and all of a sudden, the brook dries up, and the resources dry, and it's empty. And there are some days when we need to depend on the ravens. There are some days when all the resources are off, and we're just depending on the source, Where it's like, it feels like nothing's coming in. It feels like nothing's happening. It feels like everything is starting to fall apart. And so we panic and we freak out. We start making bad decisions. We start burning relationships. We start frantically trying to find anything. And we make bad decisions in the process. And Elijah goes, there's two. Elijah starts to say, well, God, like you've abandoned me. Why did you send me to this brook? And why are the ravens feeding me? All of these different things. But listen to where he finds the answer because it's not zip recruiter. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him. Here's what I want to suggest. When the resources run dry, what we need is the word of the Lord. When the resources are empty, what we need is we need the source to speak. We need direction, we need guidance, we need provision, we need protection. We need all of these things that the Father can give us. And here's what he says, all right? The brooks run dry. I told you to go to the brook. I told you the ravens are gonna take care of you. Now I'm sending you somewhere else. So he says, arise. Uh, I, I want you to go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. And behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. This also sounds like a really bad strategy. right? Elijah's a single dude. He's a prophet. He's being asked to go find a widow. That feels a little creepy, right? It feels a little weird, right? There's that, and then, like, just, like, a widow in that time, like, they didn't have resources, right? Widows weren't allowed to work, Uh, so there was a a male-dominated society. Men were the only ones that were really working and creating income. This is not somebody who's like, I'm flush on cash, Elijah, Go talk to this widow over here. She's got this huge inheritance that she's sitting on. This is not the case in those moments. And so here's the first principle I want us to understand. When the resource runs dry, wait for the word of the Lord. When the resource runs dry, wait. And that's so hard. Because our first instinct is to panic, it's to wake up at 4 a.m. and make our bed, it's to start doing all of these hard working things and running ahead of God. What we wanna learn to do in our spiritual life is walk in step with the Father. So we wanna walk on the light that he's, on the path that he's lit up before us. We wanna learn to walk in the spirit and we wanna learn to walk with him. And God doesn't always make worldly sense. I could just see Elijah start asking questions here. Like, is this a really wealthy widow? Like, is this, did, did you say window? Like, am I looking for a window? Right? Did you say willow? Am I trying to find a willow tree? Is there somebody whose name is like Cliff Widow? Like, is that his last name? Like, this seems like a really bad strategy right here, God. Verse 10, so he rose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. This is, this is just a crazy strategy, right? All the resources have run out. And Elijah just finds a widow who has nothing and is like, give me a sandwich. Like, it's that direct. It's not, it's not like, hey... I'm traveling, I'm a prophet, I'm Elijah, you may know my name, I'm kind of big deal, right, I'm like, this is holy thing, this is like God told me, he's just like, give me a sandwich. And the woman says this, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked and only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug and I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Awesome. Like some of you have been in this place. The resources have run out and the people that you're asking for help are like, "Yeah, I'm just getting ready to die myself," right? <laughs> I'm just going to make a sandwich. Me and my kid are going to eat this bologna because it's just bologna, all, bologna's all that's left, right? This is what we're doing. We got the craft slices. Right? This is what we're doing and then it's over at that point. It's over. And Elijah is this powerful man with this crazy powerful position. It's easy for Elijah to go to the church. Elijah could just go to the synagogue right now. He's got the power and authority to say, hey, Grace Marietta, I'm like your bishop, right? I'm like in charge of all these things. Uh, Give me some money so I can go do this thing. It would have been easy for him to go into the middle of the town center and start preaching and saying, listen, I know the resources are low, but I am the man of God, and I need you to provide for me so that I can have this. God sends him in this roundabout way to this strange source. Verse 13, Elijah says to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. Go make that sandwich and get ready to die. But before you do that, make me some cake and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. The jug of oil will not be empty until the day Lord, the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so she went, she did what Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days, and the jar of flour was not spent. Neither was, did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord. It was spoken by Elijah. Here, here's what I want us to see. In the middle of the drought, when all the resources are dry, there is a source that is providing. There is a source that is taking care of it. And and here's our second point. God's resourcing strategy is not the same as the world's resourcing strategy. That's hard, but it should be an amen. God doesn't always send us to the place that we think that we need to go. This is why it's so important that we be hearers of the Word of God, that we don't just study the written Word of God, but we study the whispered Word of God, that we get the Word and the whisper, that we understand all of these things in our life, and that we're sometimes doing things that don't make sense, that we're sometimes stepping in to things that don't make sense to us. I really believe this. I believe that if you are a follower of Jesus, that Jesus wants to give you supernatural wisdom for your business. I believe he wants to give you supernatural wisdom for your finances. I believe that he will provide in crazy different ways, in unexpected ways. I could tell you story after story after story of the ways in which God has provided for his church in the 27 years that I've been a pastor that you would not believe. When I was a college pastor, we started, um, this was uh, probably about 12 years ago. And about 12 years ago, church planning looked really different than it does right now. Because church planning was completely dominated by business plans. And so the way that you planted a church was you found an emerging market. This was literally the language that they would use. And an emerging market means there's rich people there. That's what it means, right? Right? You find a place where uh, like there's a new business that's coming in, right? Oh, Amazon just put a headquarters here. This is going to be a good place for a church because there's going to be a bunch of people moving there and Amazon pays well. This was the strategy, right? I've said it over and over and over again, but I think oftentimes the strategy of the church is an economic strategy and not a missional strategy. It's how do we pay for this and not how do we reach the world. We're working to make that different, and we're trying to figure out breakthrough in that area. But this was the strategy. It was you find an emerging market, and you move there. And so I was a part of a very, very large church at the time, uh, and they had lots and lots of resources. The lights were definitely on there. $31 million a year budget was their budget for the year. Uh, and, uh, and they were like, okay, we got to find you an emerging market. So they sent me to Boston. They're like, Boston's a good place. It's northeast. It's a good city. All right, they've got good food. All these different things. And I went to Boston, and I remember I spent a weekend in Boston, and I was like, yeah, it's a city. I don't know anything about this city. I don't know anybody in this city. I don't have a heart for this city. I don't feel a calling to this city. I'm just in this random city praying that God would do something. And what they wanted to do at that time, and, and, and church planning has gotten so much healthier now, but at that time, it was just like, we're just gonna send you to Boston, Ben. You and your wife, go to Boston, we'll give you $100,000, and you start a church there. And I was like, that is a terrible idea. That doesn't, I don't one, I don't want to, have you ever been to Boston in the winter? I don't want to be there. <laughs> like, I was watching, there was, like, there was snow plows, like, higher than the cars. I, I'm not doing that. That's, that is worse than raven food. I am not, like, no. I don't feel called to there. Like Jesus didn't tell me to go there. It's just a strategy for resourcing. And what the Lord was calling me to do was plant a church in the community that I was a part of. So I lived in Louisville, Kentucky, right downtown in Louisville, Kentucky is an area called Old Louisville. Uh, Old Louisville is directly connected to the university that's right there. I had been a college pastor in the town in Louisville for the last 10 years. I had such a passion for that campus. I would walk that campus and I would weep because I wanted these kids to know Jesus. Like I loved that place. And then my wife and I loved the 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 community that was in. It was the largest area of Victorian houses uh, in in the South. Like if you consider Louisville the South, like uh, is this huge consecrated area of old Victorian houses, beautiful old houses. My wife loved it. Like she was like, this is amazing. That whole community was falling apart. All the houses were falling down. There were no single family residents in any of the houses anymore. They had all been converted into like 18 apartments with slum lords running them. There was lots of nonsense going on. It was the fourth poorest zip code in the United States. And when I told the people at my church, this is where we want to plant, they were like, there's not resources. And I was like, yeah, but there's a source. And so a couple years into the project, um, a a bunch of churches pulled their funding from us because at that point, the the plan for church planting was you have to be sustainable in three years. So you got to figure out your money in three years. We were never going to have money. Right, we had about 500 people in our church, about 400 of them were college students, and about 100 were just folks from the community who had no money and no resources. We were driving them to their doctor's appointments, we were paying their rent, we were giving to them over and over again. There were no resources. We would pass the offering plate and we would get parking tickets and Cheetos. Like that's, like there was, there was nothing there. And we reached this day where I remember we, we had a board meeting And I had this incredibly godly group of leaders that were helping me serve on the board. We had a board meeting, and they were like, hey, uh, we're about two weeks away from not being able to reap payroll, and we can't pay anybody. Uh, And we started talking about what happens in in that case. Uh, And they decided I go first, which was awesome. Uh, Leaders go first, and so as the leader, you're going to be the first one who doesn't have money. Uh, and, uh, and we made all these decisions, and we were praying, and we just spent like an hour praying, just like, Lord, we, we, like, all the lights are off. There's no church that's going to bail us out. There's, we, don't, we don't have anybody on the hook, right? There's nothing. We don't, we don't know what to do here. We believe that we're doing a good work. Kids are getting baptized. We're doing a good work in the community. We trust in all of these things. We're praying, and one of the guys looks up in the middle of the prayer, and he's like, I got it, guys, I got it. Here's what we need to do. We need to give away half of what we have. And all I was like, you are an idiot. Like, <laughs> how about you not get paid? And we say that. <laughs> right? How about you be, like, sometimes the board thinks that, that it's really cool to make those decisions, but they're not really thinking about the people that are working there. Like, like, well, how about we put your salary on the line and we make that decision? Uh, and, uh And we started praying about it, and just felt like the Lord was. And and so then we were like, okay, who do we give the money to? And there was this guy on campus that was running a campus ministry who was a complete jerk. He was. uh, There's there's lots of words I could use that are not good for sermons to describe this guy. Right? He was just a tool. And the moment that we got there, he fought us like we were competition to him. And he was angry that we were there, and he spoke negatively to us about everybody he could speak negatively to about, and he was afraid that we were going to steal all of his people, and he had had, like, three meetings with me where they all ended with him yelling at me, and I was like, why are are you angry? Like, what did I do? There was just lots of that going on, and uh, one of the guys was like, let's write him a check. And we all knew he was a jerk. It wasn't like this guy thought he was a nice guy. It was like, we all, but he was doing a good work on campus, There was a good ministry that was happening there. And so we had $20,000 in the bank. We wrote him a $10,000 check. It made no sense. We did that on Monday because we needed Sunday to pray about it, right? (laughs) Coming out of church, we did it on Monday. On Thursday, we got a $60,000 check in the mail from someone who I had never met, someone I had never spoken to, someone I have no idea to this day who they are. I know their name but I've never met them who said, I was praying, and the Lord told me to give this to you. Now listen, this is not always how it works. This is not prescriptive in these things. But I want you to understand that God's strategy is not always our strategy. Here's the strategy. This is the equation. I believe this is true in our lives. I think faith releases power. I think our faith releases some sort of power. And when that power is released, I think what happens is power creates miracles. And so God actually asks us to leverage our faith. We leverage our faith. We trust that he's the source. We trust that he's the provider. We trust that he's the protector. Like over and over again in my pastoral life, one of the best things of good news for me is the passage where Jesus gives the keys to the kingdom to Peter and keeps the keys to the church. He says, I'm giving you all my power and all my authority, but the church is still mine. I hang on to that verse all the time. Right? I have all the power and authority of heaven, but I don't have to worry about this or this or this or this happening because that battle belongs to the Lord. And so we trust and we believe in these moments that there's a step of faith. So so for the widow, what's her fate? What's her step of faith? Make some food. Give him a sandwich and some cake. He like threw a cake in there at the end or two, right? That's a huge step of faith. I want you to give the last thing that you have away to this weird guy who came up to you. And what's the miracle? It keeps multiplying. We don't even know how. Don't even know why. Don't even understand. Sarah and I have had moments like this. We had a year where we were a part of a ministry that ministry fell apart because of some bad things that the leader of that ministry did. We both worked for the ministry. At that time we owned a house in Louisville, Kentucky and we were renting a house in Pawleys Island, South Carolina. We were on the hook for two mortgages for 6 months. We didn't sell the house, we didn't rent the house. We didn't have a salary. Now, we emptied all of our savings. We emptied all, like everything we had, we emptied out. I, as a 39-year-old man, I moved into my parents' basement. It was awesome. (laughs) All right, I moved back to Ohio, tail between my legs. Dad, are you really proud of me? Everything's falling apart. We got nothing. There was not a bill that we didn't miss that year. There was not a meal that we didn't eat. There was not a moment where we were not provided and protected for. We sold our house within six months. We bought a really great house. We went on vacation that year. We did things with our kids. We gave our kids a good Christmas. All of those things happened. And guys, I have no idea how that happened. No idea. It wasn't because I was like, all right, here's the new plan. Ben Hardman coaching consultants, like sign up for the Ben Hardman coaching consultant thing. And I woke up at 4 a.m. and started making my bed and doing coaching consulting things. People just started calling me and were like, hey, will you coach me? Will you do some consulting for us? Will you come and preach at my church and we'll give you some money? Checks just started showing up, like there was all of these crazy things that started to happen where it did not make any sense, but it, it was, was this moment where faith released something in us. I think there's probably a million stories that I could tell about where I wasn't faithful in these things where I was called to take a risk or do something crazy or go find a brook or go find a widow, and I was trusting in some kind of other resource. But in those moments, there was something really amazing that happened. The real hero of this story is the widow, guys. That's the real hero here because for her, the resources are all out. It's the last thing that she's got, and she gives it. I remember when I was working at that huge church in Kentucky, this guy came to me after I preached one Sunday, and he was like, hey, man, I just feel really convicted. I want to give everything I have to the church. And I was like, don't do that. I, was, I actually said those words, don't do that. And he was like, well, I really feel like God's telling me to do that. And I was like, well, the church has a $31 million budget. We're going to be okay. right? Like that money's going to go to pay a heating bill. Don't do it. Go, if, if you're feeling called, I was like, give it somewhere else. Go find a ministry that's struggling and just getting off the ground and go fund them. There's a church downtown, right, that I'm about to start. No, I didn't say that. Uh, I, (laughs) I I was like, don't, don't, don't do it. And he looked at me and he was like, but Jesus told me to. And I actually had to get another pastor that was smarter than me involved. And I brought in this old pastor who just was smarter than me and probably loved Jesus more than me and he, he just came in and he said, okay. Like, I don't want to deny you the blessing that you want to give to me. And so if this is the step of faith that you're called to do, I want you to know that we will be there every step of the way to walk with you in this. And if there's a moment where you're in need, we'll write the check back to you. But we're going to receive this gift and see what God does. And it worked out. The guy's doing fine. Uh, here, here, here's... Point number three, and I've been wandering too long, but here's point number three. It's that we view our money through a different perspective than we view all of our other gifts. Like, I have never been afraid of running out of words for a sermon. (laughs) You guys know this. I've been preaching for 27 years every Sunday, and there has never been a moment where I'm like, I don't have the words to say. I've never been afraid of it. I've never been anxious. I've never been worried about it. I just get up here and I talk. And sometimes it's in the notes and sometimes it's not. But I just do it. And I've never afraid that it's going to run out. I love to prophetically pray for people. I love to put my hand on somebody's shoulder and just say, God, what are you saying to that person? Do you have a word for them? Like Brian... Do you have a word for Brian? And I start listening to Jesus on behalf of Brian and just, is there something that you want to say? And, And I never worry when I'm praying with somebody that if I pray for Brian, I can't pray for Kent. Like if God gives me a word for Brian, then what if there's not enough words and I don't have one for Dan and for Brandon and for Kent? Like what if that starts to happen? I've never worried about that. I've never been anxious about that. I've never struggled about that. I've prayed for healing for people and I've never thought if I pray for healing for Jeff, then I can't pray for healing for Savannah. I've never thought that but I do that every day with my money. Are you with me? You know why? It's because I trust in the resource and not the source. Money gets a hold of us in a way that other things don't. Jesus called it mammon. In Matthew chapter 6, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he says you cannot serve God and money. Or, and it's translated in many places, God and mammon. You cannot do all of these things because mammon is actually not just wealth and resources. Sometimes it's taught that way, but it's actually a, a God itself. It's a spirit. There is a spirit. There is a power within money and finances that gets a hold of us. It causes anxiety and worry. This is why Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven than it is to go through the eye of a needle, right? It's, it's difficult because money gets a hold of our hearts in a way that other resources don't. And so Jesus, like over and over, guys, read the New Testament and just pay attention to how many times Jesus is talking about money. And understand, there is power in money that is deceptive and that is scary and that is crazy for us. And we're generous with so many other things, but our money, we just worry about it. Later in Scripture, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus told the parable of what he called the rich fool. And he says this, Take care and be on your guard against all covetedness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying this, the land of a rich man produced plentiful, all the lights were on, all the resources were happening, and he thought to himself, what should I do because I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I'll do this, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones, and there will be there to store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, I love this, soul. You have ample goods laid up for you for many years, so relax, drink, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this very night your soul is required of you and the things you prepared, whose will they be? So it is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. And this is what we do, guys. This is what we do with our money and we actually call it wisdom. I'm gonna store it all up. I'm gonna save it all up. I'm going to build a bigger barn. Like, have you seen how many storage facilities there are in East Cobb, guys? What is that? It's bigger barns. I don't even have room for all of my stuff. And can I tell you how many people in our community knock on our door every day and say, I have no stuff? And we're building bigger barns. Because there may be a day when I'm going to get this couch out of storage. Like what if we buy a bigger house in 10 years? So I'm actually going to pay $100 a month. I don't know how much a storage thing costs, probably more than that. I'm going to pay $100 a month and give away more resources so that I can keep something that I don't need, don't want, don't access, and don't need. When there are people who could take that 100 bucks and take that couch and something amazing could happen in them. That's trusting our resources and not the source. And Jesus says, if you are doing that, you are a fool. (laughs) He wrote it, not me, right? (laughs) We have this fear with money that it's all going to run out. That the source is not going to happen. That There's going to come a day when we're going to try and turn these lights on. And the power will just not be there. And I think Jesus today wants to remind you wherever you are, whether you're building bigger barns or whether you're standing at the door knocking saying, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills this week. I think Jesus wants to remind you, I am your source. I am your protector. I am your provider. And I'm good. And would you be patient enough to wait on the word of the Lord today? Would we be patient enough and brave enough that when he says, go find a brook and I'm going to feed you with the ravens, that we say, okay, that doesn't make any sense, but I'll eat the raven food for a little while? When he says to you, go find the widow, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. This is her last meal. You go and you take and you step into those spaces trusting. So, what would you do if you had unlimited resources? What life would you live? What would Jesus ask you to build or create? What would you do today if you got a phone call on the way home that all of a sudden your resources tripled or doubled or multiplied? Would we build bigger barns? Or would we figure out a way to give it to the kingdom? So here's what I want to do. We're just going to enter into a time of communion. The band's going to come up, and communion stations are all set up. It's interesting that every time we come to church together, we kind of eat a meal together. Jesus gathered his disciples in the upper room and he said, take this in remembrance of me. And there's this moment of actually remembering that God is the source. That even when Jesus goes to the cross and it feels like everything's falling apart and all the resources are turned off and there's no hope that there is a source and that source keeps giving his body and keeps giving his blood. And that source keeps reminding us That at the table of God, there is always a meal. There is always opportunity. So, So what does it look like for you today to go from resource to source? What would you ask Jesus for today? What would Jesus ask you today? And maybe just there's a time today to just take a minute and just quietly as the band's playing, quietly as we're taking communion, just say, all right, Jesus, all I have is yours. You're the owner, and I'm the manager. You're the source, and I'm the resource. So how are you going to pour me out? What does that look like? What does it look like for you to just say to me, be generous? And my prayer this morning, I, I, I actually, as I was coming in, I, I felt like the Lord was saying, I just want to give an unexpected blessing today, like something unexpected is going to happen today. And I don't know what that is. I'm not saying that because I think there's something that's gonna happen for me or for the church. I'm saying that because I think for all of us, if we actually trust in the source, there's this unexpected journey that starts to happen. And all of a sudden you get connected to somebody that you didn't know you were connected to before. And all of a sudden there's this burden to help them and serve them. And all of a sudden there's new relationships that are birthed out of that. And that relationships open up another relationship and that opportunity opens up another opportunity. And it all happens in this crazy, unexpected way. And so what's the crazy thing that Jesus is asking you to do? What's the thing that's like, go to the brook, go to the ravens, do those kinds of things. And what's it look like for you to say, okay, Lord, I trust you. And so, Father, I pray that you would release faith in this room. I pray that you would give us faith that you are the source and that we are the resource. I pray that you would teach us to pour out ourselves. I pray that you would teach us to spend ourselves in your service. That's what Isaiah says, spend ourselves in your service. So I pray that you would teach us to spend ourselves for you, that we would pour everything that we have out for the kingdom and that we would be generous. Lord, I pray that you would break the bondage of mammon right now. In the power of your Holy Spirit right now, I pray that you would move, that you would speak, and that you would break the power of money, break the power of anxiety, that you would break the power of fear, that you would break the power of poverty, and that you would breathe new life into this space this week. We trust you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.